بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم محمد صلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ چنائی از دا سکست آف فیبروری ان دی ایئر ٹو that we're going through the exalted and blessed life of the noble companion Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu and I've reached the point where I've mentioned that the beloved grandson of our illustrious messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Sayyidina Hassan ibn Ali radiyallahu has abdicated and Sayyidina Muawiyah has taken over as head of state so the next section entitled the attitude of Hassan's commanders to the peace deal. So all of Hassan's followers, they weren't all united behind this abdication. So they can be divided into three groups. The first, acceptance and approval. Foremost amongst these was Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Ja'far radiyallahu anhu. So the first group, they had absolutely no qualms with the abdication. In fact, they were happy that peace was established. And amongst this, these, this group was Abdullah ibn Jafar, the nephew of uh, Ali. The second, initial rejection, but then approval. Foremost amongst those was Sayyidina Qais ibn Sa'ad ibn Ubadah. So Qais ibn Sa'ad was the vanguard of Hazrat Ali's forces. So when he heard about the abdication, initially he was hesitant. But Alhamdulillah, he came around and he approved of what he had done. The third, reluctant acceptance. But this group can be divided into a further two categories. The first, Those who thought that the peace deal was binding only during Hassan's lifetime, radiyallahu, such as Sayyidina Hujr ibn Adi, radiyallahu. So this group, they went, they followed Amir al-Mu'mineen, Hassan, radiyallahu, where they believed that this was only applicable until he lived. Once he passed away, there was no such binding authority for them. And Hujr ibn Adi fell into this group, radiyallahu. And the second Those who thought that the peace deal was binding during Hassan and Muawiyah's lifetimes, until both of them passed away, such as Hussein ibn Ali. So this group believed that they were to abide by the commitment until both Hassan and Muawiyah passed away. Then the, there was nothing binding upon them. And the beloved grandson of the Prophet Hussein, he fell into this group. So why is it important to mention these three groups? These categories are essential to register and comprehend when discussing the lifetimes of the above noble individuals so as to understand what fateful decisions and actions they took thereafter. So without this groundwork, you'll be confused. You would ignorantly think that they're going against the command of Hassan They're not accepting his command. They're going against Muawiyah. And the reason is you haven't got a base to understand why they're doing what they're doing. Sayyidina Anas, 
he was around 51 years of age upon Muawiyah's ascension to the high post. Sayyidina Muawiyah he thereupon ruled over the vast Islamic empire for 20 long years, throughout which there was once again unity and the jihad continued to take place against the real enemies. So the last thing that the unbelievers wanted was unity amongst the Muslims. They had a kind of a breather. But once they were united, again, the unbelievers, they realized they were in great danger. Thereupon, faithfully, Yazid ibn Muawiyah came into power. Sayyidina Anas was now around the age of 71 years. So the next section entitled, The Treacherous Kufans Stirred Up Sayyidina Hussein Radiallahu Indeed, the people of Kufa did not cut their ties with Sayyidina Hassan and Hussein after they had left Kufa and settled back in Al-Madinah and they were constantly corresponding to him with letters. So like I mentioned, Imam Hassan, he's abdicated. So he's left Kufa with his family, Hussein included. They've come back to Al-Madinah. But the Kufans, they were still sending them letters asking them to, uh, to reconsider. In these letters, it seems they call for opposing the existing authorities and they affirm the right of Sayyidina Hassan and Hussein to the Khilafat in an attempt to motivate them to demand it. Subhanallah, this did not have the desired effect on Sayyidina Hassan Rather, it gave him a clear impression of the so-called Shiites in Kufa, demonstrating they were troublemakers who did not want the Ummah to be united. So obviously, the letters came to Hassan and he's given up the Khilafat. So why are they even bothering to you know, make him reconsider? So he saw with this that these were not sincere Muslims. They were actually causing disunity. So there's a report. In Tabarani, Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid 6-243 states Sahih, chain of narrators, except for Abdullah ibn al-Hakam ibn Abi Ziyad, who is trustworthy. Yazid ibn al-Asr, rahmatullah alayhi relates, a bunch of letters came to Sayyidina Hassan, radiyallahu from Kufa, and he said, O maidservant, bring a vessel, put some water in it, and then put these letters in the water. He did not even bother to open or look at them. I thereupon asked, I Yazid ibn al-Asam, O Abu Muhammad, who are these letters from that you've not even bothered to open? He responded, From the people of Iraq, amongst whom there are some who do not support the truth and will not refrain from supporting falsehood. I do not fear them for myself, but I fear them with regards to this one. And he pointed to his brother, Sayyidina Hussein. <laughs> so let's look at this. So this is an authentic report. All of the narrators are Sahih. And the one who is not Sahih is Hassan. So it's a well-authentic report. So look how interesting. Bunches of letters are coming to Hassan. And he's not even bothering opening them. So what does that tell you? <laughs> He goes, I know what they're up to. I know what games they're playing. Don't even bother. Just get rid of them. So one of the Ta'abi'in, he goes, 
who are these letters from? It goes from the people of Iraq. It goes, they don't support the truth. They're supporting falsehood, meaning they're up to mischief. And then he said something, and this shows that he had a deep insight. He goes, I don't fear them for myself, meaning I know how to deal with them. But I fear them with regards to this. And he pointed to Hussein, meaning I know how to deal with them. But I don't believe my brother has got that understanding. Subhanallah, how true and tragic was this foresight of this most magnificent man. So it's very important to highlight that. Why? Because when the letters came to Hassan, he didn't even bother opening it. When the letters came to Hussein, he did the opposite. <laughs> and Hassan said, I fear for him. <laughs> Meaning, you know, his understanding isn't like mine. <laughs> so what happened? Hafiz Balazuri in his Ansab al-Ashraf 3-152 with the Sahih chain of transmission it mentions when Hassan radiyallahu passed away the Shiites met in the house of Suleiman ibn Sard they wrote a letter to Sayyidina Hussein radiyallahu offering condolences on the death of his brother and they said Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made you a greater creation than those who have passed away we are your Shia. We are your supporters. Your calamity is our calamity. Your grief is our grief. Your joy is our joy. We are awaiting your instructions. Hussein Radiyallahu, he replied, I want my opinion to be the same as that of my brother. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have mercy upon him with regards to upholding the peace deal. My brother's opinion on striving against the wrongdoers was correct. Thus, keep quiet, keep a low profile, conceal your real feelings, and be careful as long as the son of Hind, Muawiyah is still alive. If anything happens to him whilst I am alive, I shall inform you of what I think you should do if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills. So let's look at it. So this is a Sayyid report in the famous work, Ansab al-Ashraf, the lives of the nobles. So what's happened? The report says Hassan has passed away. He passed away roughly halfway in Muawiyah's Khalifa. He was poisoned. And the Shiites, i.e., this is in Iraq, they met in the house of Suleiman ibn Isard. So it's important to highlight the word Shia literally means supporters. So obviously it's got other connotations now. But... The report mentioned Shiites and they wrote a letter to Hussein. And what did they do? After offering condo their condolence, they said, We are your supporters. We're awaiting your exclusion. So now think about that. What's happened? Hussein's opened the letter. Did Hassan open it? He not only opened the letter, he wrote back to them. And what did he say? He goes, keep a low profile, conceal your feelings, be careful as long as the son of Hind is alive. Mm. If anything happens to him whilst I am alive, I will inform you. So this is why I mentioned those three categories. Without those categories, it looks like he's conspiring. Is he conspiring? <laughs> no, because his understanding was, as long as Hassan and Muawiyah is alive, I'm not going to do anything. So he told them, Exactly that in this authentic report. Hafiz Baladuri went on to relate in Ansab al-Ashraf 3-152 Sahih. The prominent people of the Hijaz and the leaders of Kufa would come and visit him. 
they had no doubt he would become the Khalif after Muawiyah. So the kind of, uh, you know, what they were thinking, the people at the time, they were thinking that after Muawiyah leaves the world, there's no doubt Hussein's going to become the Khalif. The people of Kufa also requested the other illustrious son of Ali, Muhammad ibn al-Hanafiyyah, to come to them. So look how interesting this is. They're staring up again. Hassan nullified it. So now they've asked his brother, Hussein's brother, Muhammad ibn al-Hanafiyyah, has come to us. But, subhanallah, he was aware of the danger posed to him and to the family of Ali by these treacherous people. He therefore warned his brother Hussein radiallahu not to be deceived. And he said, the people want to use us and kill us for their own gain, O oh brother. This is in Ibn Sa'ad in Istabaqat 5-356. So Muhammad ibn al-Hanafiyah, his father was Ali. And he was also one of the great thinkers amongst the Arabs. And he saw straight through it. So he told his older brother Hussein that the Allah, he goes, they are going to kill us. And they're after something. They want their own gain. Absolutely correct. He was right. It is further related by Hafiz al-Barazuri, Rahmatullah in his Ansab al-Ashraf 3-152 Sahih. The letters exchanged between Hussein and the people of Kufa stirred up fear amongst the Umayyads in Al-Madinah. They just wrote to Amir al-Mu'mineen Mu'awiyah asking what to do about Hussein. As al-Mu'awiyah responded, leave the noble grandson of Rasulullah alone. Do not bother him at all. <laughs> so this is the beauty. Go to the authentic reports. So what's happened? The Umayyads were the ruling class. So they thought something stirring. If we don't nip this at the bud, it can cause great problems amongst the Muslims. So they wrote to the Amir al-Mu'mini, who was the master politician, as if he didn't know. And what did he say? Keep an eye on Hussein. Don't let him leave his house. All this is rubbish of history. All he said to the Omegas was, don't even trouble him at all. Leave him alone. It is impossible that Sayyidina Muawiyah did not know of the correspondence and strong ties between Hussein and the people of Kufa. It is thus related. Sayyidina Muawiyah then wrote to Hussein and he requested him to fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not cause division amongst the Muslims. He reminded him to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with regards to the Muslims' affairs. Recorded by Hafiz Baladuri Rahmatullah in his Ansab al-Ashraf 3-152 with a Sahih Tena transmission. So look how beautiful. When the people asked him to deal with Hussein, he goes, don't even bother with him. But privately, he wrote to Hazrat Hussein Radiyallahu and he goes, fear the Almighty and Glorious, don't cause divisions. He goes, the Muslims' affairs are united. Indeed, it is sufficient to relate, to relate that Sayyidina Hassan Allah, and Sayyidina Hussein Allah, adhered to the terms of the peace deal with Muawiyah Allah, and they remain loyal to their pledge of allegiance to him. However, as mentioned, Hussein Allah, thought that the peace deal was binding upon him just as long as either his brother Hassan or Muawiyah was still alive. So Hussein didn't take any moves at all. 
until Muawiyah passed away. <laughs> so now what happened? Hassan radiyallahu, he was poisoned. On his deathbed, he gave one last warning to his brother. Hafiz ibn Abd al-Barr in his Al-Istiyab 1-391 He said, O oh my brother, when Rasulullah left the world our father had high hopes of taking this position and he hoped to become the Khalif. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala diverted it from him and Abu Bakr was appointed radiyallahu when Abu Bakr was on his deathbed, our father hoped for it again, but it was diverted from him to Umar. When Umar was on his deathbed, he made it a matter of consultation among six men, whom our father was one. Now he was certain it would not go to anyone but him, but it was diverted from him to Uthman. When Uthman was martyred, allegiance was eventually sworn to him. But then his rule was challenged. So he unsheathed the sword to defend it. And he was never in full control thereafter. By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I do not think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will combine for us the Ahlul Bayt, both Nabuwat and Khilafat. I hope that you do not let the foolish people of Kufa mislead you and make you go out to them. Subhanallah. If only Sayyidina Hussain had taken this priceless advice from his brother, but alas, it was not to be. Look how beautiful. He himself is in very, he's coming to the end of his life, the poison spread, but he's trying to save his brother. And what was the logic he was using? He reminded them of Ali. And look how beautiful he explained. He goes, Ali radiallahu had high hopes to succeed the Prophet So what does that mean? It means that there was no authority. If there was something direct from the Prophet, then that statement doesn't make any sense at all. But then he goes, he was given to Abu Bakr. Then he goes, when Abu Bakr was leaving, he thought again. He went to Umar. When Umar was um, on his deathbed, he goes, he felt certain. Only when Uthman was martyred, and look how interesting. Did he want it then? <laughs> Only when he did not want it, Allah Ta'ala gave it to him. <laughs> now, why is that important to highlight? Because the Prophet ﷺ said, if anybody desires authority, he's left to himself. But if he's given it and he does not want it, Allah Ta'ala helps him. So Allah Ta'ala wanted to help Ali. And he goes, he, the authority came to him. Now, why did he mention that? What was the wisdom? The wisdom was, don't, Aspire for it. We, haven't you learned that from your father? And then he says, I don't think the Ahlul Bayt will have Prophet and Khilafat combined. It was only for Ali, our father and me. He goes, it's not going to happen. He goes, don't let the foolish people of Kufa mislead you. He didn't say all of them. He goes, the foolish ones, he goes, do not listen to them. But sadly, Hussein thought better. Indeed, when Sayyidina Hussain realized too late that the Kufans had betrayed him, he made the following dua. Hafiz Zahabi in his seer 4-302 O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
the people of Iraq have deceived and betrayed me. And they did to my brother what they did. O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, bring doom to them. Do not let any one of them escape your punishment. Hafiz Zahabi continued, his killing was a great shame, a serious calamity that would break the heart of every Muslim. Recorded by Hafiz Zahabi in his seer 4-302. So what happened? When Hussein saw the turn of events, he realized that everything his brother told him was true. Because the people of Iraq have deceived and betrayed me. Now what's interesting, did he blame the Syrians? Again, people you know, haven't got a clue about their history. Just, yeah, I heard some. Let's blame the Syrians. What did the people say? He goes, the people of Iraq have deceived and betrayed me. They did to my brother what they did, meaning they also tried to kill him. Bring doom to them. And Hafiz Zahabi said this was a great shame for the Muslims, that the grandson of the Prophet and his family was were martyred. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he related, in Ibn Majah and Al-Bidayah, we were once with Rasulullah and his eyes became bathed with tears and his color changed. I thus asked about this, because why are you upset, Ya Rasulullah? Upon which he said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen for us the Ahlul Bayt, the hereafter over this world. Indeed, after me, my family will face affliction, expulsion, and exile. Subhanallah. This is in Ibn Majah and Al-Bidayah. So look how amazing. The Prophet saw all this being played out and he was really upset. And Ibn Masood, why are you upset, Ya Rasulullah? So first he gave the answer. Because Allah Ta'ala has chosen for us the Ahlul Bayt, the hereafter over this world, meaning he's not giving us the world. And then he goes, after me, my family will face affliction, expulsion and exile. And didn't that happen? May Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be well pleased with all the August family members of our beloved Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So just to make a start on the next section. Yazid's disastrous short reign. As mentioned earlier, Sayyidina Hussein ibn Ali refused to swear allegiance to Yazid and had remained adamant on his decision. The state officials, however, regarded his refusal to be more significant than the rejection of other eminent personalities, such as Abdullah ibn Zubair. So what's happened? So Hazrat Muawiyah, he took an unprecedented step. What he decided to do was before he passed away, he wanted to secure the pledge of allegiance for his son, Yazid. The wisdom was that if it was done whilst he was still alive, there would be no bloodshed. So many people pledged their allegiance, but some senior companions didn't. And amongst them was Imam Hussein and Abdullah ibn Zubair. Sayyidina Hussein was given the opportunity to revolt when the citizens of Kufa in Iraq had sought his help against the tyrannies of the Umayyads, especially against their then governor, the notorious Ubaidullah ibn Ziyad. So what did I mention? Imam Hussein did not, could not do anything until Muawiyah passed away. Muawiyah has passed away. Mm-hmm. Yazid becomes into power and the people of Kufa have sent him letters. He goes, look, we've been oppressed. Mm-hmm. You've got to come to our aid. Mm-hmm. Hussein Radiyallahu knew his limitations in strength 
but his conscience forced him to respond to their request. So what's happened? Qadr is taking place. Allah the Almighty and Glorious wanted this course to take place and Hussein set off Ayy with his family members on the journey towards Kufa. Ayy to deal with the tyranny of the corrupt authorities at the time. So why am I mentioning all this when going through Sayyidina Anas? Because Anas's name emerges at a very critical point. But you need to go through all this to appreciate when that incident occurs. And at the same time, it helps us to establish the history that is fully authentic with regards to these great personalities during that tumultuous time. So all I mentioned today was now the lead up to the tragic martyrdom of Imam Hussein and the family members of the Prophet and some of the key components which led up to this. Are there any questions you like to ask? سبحان الله بحمده سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت استغفرك واتوب اليك اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون